All right, boys, we're ready. Yep. Yep. Sounding good, MK. All right, hey. I'm gonna mute. I'm gonna mute myself because my washing machine is loud as hell. <laughs> That's why you get a wife. fans welcome back to post game beers we are the lupton drinking club we bring you weekly frog ball usa recaps scores stories from the front row thanks for joining us as we break down the last week of games including a series win over the baylor bears plus we'll have a look ahead to kansas state next week i'm your host kyle malloy at yell mk my co-host the master of activities jacob sailors at jd sailors is here with me jacob Frogs over bears, am I right? Frogs over bears, MK. I love to see it. Uh, we got kicked in the nuts today, as I'm sure we will probably talk about later. But And we've had the podcasting issues, which I'm sure Reed will address, but I'm digging down deep. I'm going to gut this out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the fire today, MK. Hope you're ready. Let's go. All right, rounding out our crew is Crazy Ray Cartwright, the Sultan of Stat, Martin Guerrero, and producer Reed Simpson Boys. It's great to have you all back in Fort Worth. Uh, did you pick, any, pick up any uh, communicable diseases while you're down south of here? We did our best, but I think we came away clean. I don't know about Ray, though. All right, so before we break down some frog ball, tell me about your trip. Who'd you meet? Who yelled at you? Um, was the ship lap plentiful? You know, how was Waco, guys? Go ahead, Ray. I'll let you start since you drove. Uh, Waco is fine. Uh, not the greatest town in the world. I feel like every... A uh, restaurant bar is surrounded by a neighborhood. Everything's way divided. You're having to take all these back streets to get to somewhere. The stadium, once we got there, the stadium was fine, dry. Did not like that they didn't sell beer there. We had to uh, adjust on the fly for Saturday's game. So the Lupton Drinking Club became the Lupton Drinking Water Club on Friday night, huh? Yeah, my body definitely needed some water, so I wasn't too upset about it. But we got uh, chastised after the game by Kurt down on the what, field. He was throwing he his hands up in the air like, what's going on? What's with all the water bottles? <laughs> he was yeah. eating crap for, for drinking water? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think he knew that, that the stadium didn't sell beer because he just shook his head in disappointment when I let him know. Mm. So let me tell you this real quick, MK. We um, after after we beat Baylor Friday night, um, TCU and uh, who are those losers we beat Seton Hall. Yeah, they they had just tipped off, so we got a couple of wrecks on some places to watch. Um, we went to this bar called George's. We go in there, and every TV is on women's basketball. Can you explain that? And it wasn't like it was the the Lady Bears playing. This was Stanford and like Montana State. So there there were some uh, men's games on, right? There were like four on, and okay. they had like one TV that was on another men's game, and then one TV that was on TCU. The rest were on women's basketball. Was anyone paying attention to the, what, what games are on? Or Nobody was watching anything. Well, that's insane. what I'm saying. Sometimes you walk into a bar, and they don't really know what they're doing. They just have right. crap on the TV. But so. apparently this was like, a, we got recommended, this bar was recommended to us uh, by many people. So that's the place we went, and I just... I couldn't understand all the love for a random um, blowout women's basketball game. So shout out. So George's son um, was actually uh, in my fraternity at TCU. Um, nice no guy. Kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we would drive down to Waco and grab their, they have these like uh, chicken things wrapped in jalapeno, you know, stuff with, you know, whatever, like uh, um, cream cheese and all that stuff. We would go grab trays of them and bring them back to Fort Worth. To, a, to parties because they were free. That's how, that's how broke we were. We would drive an hour and a half just to pick up food in Waco. I, I think those are the crazy wings. Yeah, that's true. There you go. The yeah. crazy wings of George's. So. Well, so the very nice server that we had put the game on for us where we ended up sitting and we watched the game and it was a great time. It was a really cool feeling to have that adrenaline rush of winning that Friday night baseball game, go right to the bar and sit there in Waco while Baylor fans who were already sad about baseball have to watch TCU win again in basketball. So being there in Waco and taking in that experience was super fun. That's awesome. 
All right, so we're jumping ahead to the first and, and Baylor lost her basketball game earlier that yeah, day. Yeah, so that was the next day. I mean, I don't even know if we have enough time to get into the entire trip, but we got to watch Baylor lose in basketball the next day, which was pretty cool. We'll jump um, back so, into the we'll jump back into how you guys did on Saturday. So let's let's take it back a couple days. Before we jump into games, is there anything else you guys want to recap for the past week outside of uh, the games itself? Yeah, so um, let me make sure I hit this before I forget. So if if we remember, we had the uh, long drink and Dutch's um, post-game party for Friday night after Army. So we're actually going to reschedule that uh, because the game got canceled against Army. We're going to do that party this Friday night after the K-State game. It'll be at the rooftop at Dutch's. There'll be free long drink, free long drink swag. So come on out, um, hang out after the game, celebrate a hopeful win, and uh, try out some free long drink. So instead of a pregame party, we're doing a postgame party after Friday night. Ooh, damn. I may have just messed that up. <laughs> you know keep what? It, You're right. Keep it in, Reed. Keep it in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, keep it in. Let me just start over. We're going to, yes. I so just want you all to know nothing is getting edited on this episode. We've already had so many yep. audio issues. So just ignore everything I just said for the last 30 seconds, and let me restate. You're correct. So the original plan was after the game, but MK, thank you. We are actually going to do it uh, 4 p.m. to 5.45. There you go. Before right. the game. I'm sorry about that. Glad I caught y'all. All right. So, um, Reed, uh, you know, hinted at it. We've, we've had some audio issues. This is our first time we got together uh, a few hours ago. And unfortunately, the mixer that we we're uh, working with didn't work. So we are all back at our own homes. Uh, we are on Zoom for the second time. The first time was uh, when we did the first episode after, or excuse me, second episode after the Arizona uh, weekend. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, we're hoping it's a good deal, but um, if you guys have feedback for us, positive or negative, you know what? Positive, hit us up. Negative, uh, just keep it to yourself. Thanks. Yeah, we don't want to hear that. Yeah, right. uh, let's sh shout out uh, uh, Keith real quick because uh, this whole episode is brought to you by Keith. Came in yeah, clutch with uh, mics to allow us to uh, podcast uh, virtually like this. Keith, meaning Keith uh, Sarlos uh, of Sarlos and Sons Winery uh, in one. Los Olivos, California. Thank you so much for sponsoring us, grabbing these mics for us. This is what you're hearing right now, so we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Post Game Beers Podcast, brought to you by the Finnish Long Drink Legend of 1952. Welcome back to Post Game Beers. Let's talk about the last week of games for Frog Ball USA. So we're going to start on Tuesday night, the matchup against AM Corpus Christi, uh, a.k.a. Aggie Light. So we had Cam Brown starting the game for the Frogs uh, on the defensive side. He didn't stay in long. That would actually foreshadow some of the work that he was going to get in today over the weekend. He gave up a run in the first inning. Uh, it was quickly pulled after that for Connor Oliver. Unfortunately for Connor, uh, it wasn't a great start. Uh, they put up four runs. The Islanders put up four runs in the second inning. So quickly, uh, kind of surprising for a Tuesday night, it was 5-1 to A&M Corpus Christi. The Frog offense, fortunately, would come to play this night. They added three more in the bottom of the frame. So it was only one run game after that. And this is kind of when things got weird. So the lights at Lupton went dark. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny the rumors that the LDC had anything to do with the blackout. Mm -hmm. So for about 20, 30 minutes or so, we waited uh, for the lights to come up. And uh, they actually played the A&M Corpus uh, NCAA tournament game that was on. It was a play-in game for them. So that was a nice nod uh, to the other team that was on on the big screen in the background. And we were going to watch that as we were waiting for those lights to come up. So um, after the delay, the Frogs really put on an offensive show. Uh, they scored in seven of the eight innings played, yes, only eight innings. The game ended in a run rule after the eighth. The Frogs ended up winning 17 to six. A um, few things to note uh, in the seventh, Braden Taylor absolutely smashes a 415 foot home run. To what right a freaking center. bomb. It was a bomb. Uh, that was immediately followed up by another home run from David Bishop, which was immediately followed up by Gray Rogers, who comes to the plate and strokes a triple down the line. He scored quickly after that, uh, after a wild pitch. So, all in all, Taylor and Bishop, they go five for seven with two home runs, eight RBIs combined, just a stellar night for the second and third hole hitters. So, Jacob, what did you see? Uh, what do you remember from Tuesday night? Well, um, 
first of all, Cam Brown only going one inning. We couldn't determine if that was performance related. He did uh, get hit around a little bit. Um, but as we found out later, it would be because he was going to be a starter over the weekend. So that made a lot of sense. And you touched on Connor Oliver getting touched up a little bit. Um, hopefully that doesn't continue, obviously. I don't think it will. The kid's got a lot of talent. Um, everybody's going to have a bad night every once in a while. We're going to need him to come through if he's going to have to start on Tuesdays going forward. Um, as for the lineup, the, those Corpus Christi pitchers never had a chance against any of our hitters. It was pretty fun to sit back and just watch the guys just hit lasers all over the field all night. Um, other than that, it was good to see uh, Caleb Bolden get in and get some work. Um, Augie Milbauer, Garrett Wright, and then Cademan Parker. So, you know, it's a tune-up game going into Baylor. and. Uh, yeah, they took care of business. So Jacob just mentioned a bunch of relievers that came in. Um, Martin, uh, Ray, what did you guys see from the bullpen on Tuesday night? So uh, if you look to Texas, this has doesn't have to do with the bullpen per se, but if you look uh, if you look ahead to Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the way their weekend went, they they had a series up in Nebraska where they took two of three from Nebraska, including beating them. I think it was twenty. Two to four today, so they they've got some sticks and they can uh, hit the ball around. So them kind of uh, tagging uh, Oliver a little bit, you know, it's not the most surprising thing. You know, they're not a light Tuesday uh, night opponent that we should that we should have just run through. Another guy that came in uh, later on that we haven't seen a ton of, but was Mason Speaker. Uh, he had his first hit of the year. This is what the bases loaded. Um, he just smashed a double to right center, and it cleared the bases. So um, after that, Mason's on second, and he has a pinch runner. Um, a guy came in of the name of Sam Thompson, um, and he decided to uh, to take third. Anyone want to note what happened to, uh, when he went from second to third base? Scorpion. Explain so, that a little bit. What does that mean? Tell Sam, us. Sam Thompson's running to third base. He's trying to steal the base. And they throw over. He slides a little bit early. Uh, somehow his head goes down. His feet come up all the way up. His, his feet come back up and actually kick the third baseman. Fortunately, the ball was bobbled. He ends up tagging third base and then running home after that. But, man, did he yeah, get some If you haven't seen the video of that, you need to go find it. Yeah. I, yeah I, he, I, uh, I, he got uh, stuck. It looked a little wet over there by third base not the slickest of surfaces. So that is uh, probably why he looked a little stuck in the mud. Wet or dry was hilarious. Um, I sent it to D1, or not D1, 11.7, uh, which is a big uh, college baseball account. And they uh, ended up sending out that video to a lot of people. A lot of people got a lot of laughs out of it. So that was Which, that was by fun. the way, I should interject real quick. Um, we announced that we were going to have Ben Upton on tonight, but we're going to have to reschedule. I think he underestimated what having a newborn baby looks like. So we'll get that worked out with Ben, and we'll have him on at some Is point. It, it's that tough to have a kid, huh? <laughs> well, could, I wouldn't know. Couldn't be me. I guess he didn't either. <laughs> um, yeah. Martin, anything from uh, Tuesday night, whether pitching or, or hitting-wise, you want to talk about? Yeah, it looks like uh, we uh, just did our job up there hitting. David Bishop went three for four with a walk, double, five RBIs. Uh, you know, he's up there in the leaderboard in the country um, for runs batted in. Uh, Braden Taylor was two for three with a walk in that massive home run. Uh, Caleb Bolden, you know, after uh, Cam Brown and uh, Connor Oliver had issues, uh, he came in and settled everything down. Uh, had big strikeouts in the fourth inning. Um, he was he was mostly 93, 94, but uh, he threw some up there, 95. Um, and the Frogs as a team also had five stolen bases, and two of them came on pickoff attempts, so that was interesting to see. And I just want to say, too, that Braden Taylor home run, I'm trying to think of a ball I've seen at Lepton hit harder than that. That thing was towards right center, and just absolutely launched. I know uh, Luke and Baker's home run a few years ago comes to mind, but not too many balls I've seen. Oh, I know Josh Watson hit the street once, but that's got to be like top five of home runs I've seen in that stadium. I definitely regretted not um, having video of that Braden Taylor home run because it was one of those ones that when it, when it went up into the air, into the night, you lost it. It was completely gone, you know, into the dark. So it was pretty awesome. 
Another quick note about uh, Tuesday was we got to see Cademan Parker for the second time this season. Uh, he looked really good. Uh, I think he was topping out like at 95, 96, got a strikeout to, in the inning, I believe. But uh, I think on Wednesday, uh, the coaches show over at uh, Railhead, um, Sarlos was talking about we might see more Cademan Parker after this, um, which with Cam Brown starting on Sunday, I'm sure Connor Oliver will probably start on the mound, but we might see some Cademan Parker on Tuesday. I know they're working yep. Cayman in slowly uh, because he's a freshman, but do we see him as potential to be a starter in the future? Yeah, I, I would think be, um, if depending on how long Krobe is out, we don't know the extent of the injury. But if Cam Brown's going to have to pitch on the weekends, then somebody's got to backfill that role. And if you know Connor Oliver um, continues to struggle like he did on Tuesday, which I hope he doesn't, then yeah, I, I really think I would like to see Cayman get some more innings on Tuesdays. All right, so I don't want to jump over that real quick, um, and we're definitely not in the business of breaking news, but does Austin Krobe have an injury? Is that something that we know about? I mean, um, he wasn't on the trip. Okay. So what, what else do you think it is? Do you think that he missed the bus, he overslept? or? <laughs> no, I mean, we'll find out yeah, this week. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we would just have to assume that there's something, because the way he's pitched the last couple starts, it looked like something was nagging him, right? Yeah. All right, we'll just go out and say it. We have a source inside the program that says Austin Grove is hurt. We'll just we'll say that. Yeah, I mean, even without that, it's I think it would be pretty easy to conclude that, you know. There there are a lot of reasons that people miss a weekend, just just one singular one, but he is sure. hurt. We, we will confirm that. Yeah, but we myself, don't know the extent. You know, sometimes I hurt myself just sitting at my desk, like leaning over, you know. So, I mean, I'm a little older than Austin Grove, but it happens. All right, want to move on to the weekend? Let's go. Baylor, uh, game one uh, on Friday night. So we're going to call this the Riley-Cornelio game. This was a low-scoring affair. The Frogs took the first game of the series three to nothing. Um, after six innings, the score was only one to nothing. So it was, again, low-scoring. But this was courtesy of, of Tommy Sacco Ding Dong. Both pitchers, Riley and the, uh, for the Frogs and Tyler Thomas for the Bears, were keeping both teams' bats at bay. It really just – there wasn't a lot going on. Um, Tyler Thomas ends up getting pulled in the seventh inning, and the Frogs end up picking one run uh, in the seventh and eighth, including a double by David Bishop. So uh, let's talk about Riley Cornito. He pitched eight full innings, the longest the starter has gone this year. He only allowed two hits, four base runners total in the entire night. Um, he also retired his last 10 batters straight. So no question, his best performance of the year, uh, maybe the best uh, you know, at the end of the year when you look back on it. but. He kept Jared McKenzie, uh, who's a star, off the bases, basically rendered him useless. Um, and for the save, we had River Ridings come in. He closed out the game in the ninth. Uh, so quickly on the Frogs' offense, we had eight hits, including two from Braden Taylor, two from Tommy Sacco. So not crazy offensively, but three runs was just – it was plenty. Uh, Baylor couldn't get anything going. Um, guys, what did you see Friday night outside of Riley absolutely obliterating uh, their Friday night? So this is just a classic Friday night Big 12 conference game, right? You got your two studs on the mound for each team, battling it out. You knew, we knew going in we were going to struggle against Tyler Thomas, who's a lefty and a really good one. Um, we were able to, to really grind, though, and scratch across a couple runs. And Riley Cornelio came up big, sliding into that Friday night spot for the second time. Well, I guess technically his first Friday start since he pitched the first game against Army on Saturday. So under the big lights, start off conference. Um, he was amazing, and it's a good thing he was because, like I said, Tyler Thomas is great. Um, and thank God for Tommy Sacco, who's like the one guy in the lineup who is really comfortable hitting against lefties. Uh, he had a couple hits. He had that home run to get the scoring started, and getting a lead in that game is huge. And then you have River closing it out. Um, yeah, great win. I was really hype about that because this was the game in the series I was most worried about. Yeah, as great. we talked about uh, last week, this was – if Baylor was going to win the series – this was going to be the game they had to have. Um, and to see Riley, that was probably one of the more dominant pitching performances out of a TCU starter in the last uh, at least three years or so, I would say, going back to Lodolo. So that was great to see. And uh, Tyler Thompson, he's a guy that doesn't walk a lot of batters. I think he had like one walk. Yeah, two. Two go, well, yep. going into two. the game? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, um, no, I'm sorry. Is that what you meant? Going Like all yeah, season? Yeah, uh, I know he's only had he's had very few 
free bases or walks or whatever, but to see the TCU offense put them through the grinder and just be them, be their efficient like self, uh, it was great to see. Martin, any uh, comments from Friday night? Yeah, um, if Riley Cornelio didn't go eight shutout innings, we'd probably be talking a lot more about Tommy Sacco because he, he hit that home run. And he also played a freaking magnificent game at shortstop. He was making all the plays. What I saw from, uh, what's his name, Tyler Tom- Thomas? Thomas. Tyler um, Thomas. Yeah, so what Ray was trying to say was this guy went into the game with a 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio. And um, he was like one of the top, whatever, 30 in the nation because there's like 7,000 pitchers. But um, he ended up with only one strikeout on Friday and yep. he had two walks and I mean even even the at bats that didn't result in a walk that first inning you know I think every every TCU batter not every TCU batter but most of the TCU batters in that first inning had a three ball count and I think they were just I think they were just annoying him and they ran up his pitch count and he could only go six innings Frogs came to play um I'm glad you guys were there to see it in person um unfortunately like you said it was a it's a dry stadium so you guys were, were pounding the water I, I bet you guys left fully hydrated yeah. that night and it well just real quick mk i'm sorry but I, I i wanted to say this too it just came to my mind as you said we were there watching um what i was really enjoying watching is that game win it got late um we were holding on to a two to nothing three to nothing lead you get to the, like the seventh and eighth inning and i really saw a lot of confidence out of the guys especially when we were on defense uh, making some tough plays in the field. And then even on like something as simple as like throwing it around on a strikeout, it was almost like their their body language, their attitude, and their energy really looked like we're not losing this game. This is our game. So that was really, really enjoyable to see. You know, um, we'll talk about this later, but this was one of the few games I feel like we've played this season with a lead. We always Yeah, no to, kidding. We always seem to come back or try to come back because we're down. So I mean, nothing was scored through four innings, so nothing was going on. But we got one run, uh, another one in the seventh, another one in the eighth. So I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah, and that's just kind of how Friday night games go in this conference. You know, you have you have your best pitchers out there, and they're going to grind it out. And you got to find a way to scratch cross runs, and you got to make plays in the field. And we did that better than they did. All right, so frogs are feeling confident. They they beat uh, Baylor's ace on Friday night, and they roll into Saturday, um, hoping to take the series. So um, moving on to game two. Baylor strikes first with two runs early. Uh, tell me where you've heard that before. Their star, Jared McKenzie, smashes an enormous bomb off Brett Walker, who was our starter that night. Uh, the Frogs actually go quietly offensively through a couple innings. They end up breaking through in the third inning with five runs. So at that point, I mean, I'm feeling really confident because I'm like, hey, here we go. Let's, let's take this series. It's going to be an easy night. Um, that didn't end up happening. So let's go back to that third inning. We had five runs, all five came with two outs, uh, nobody was on base, and it all started when Owen Blackledge um, had a walk. Nunez and Taylor got on base uh, following that, and there were three consecutive hits by uh, David Bishop and the Beardy Boys, so they, they brought everybody home. Uh, the Bears ended up tacking a few runs on later on, and it was a one-run inning for most of the game until about the eighth, and that's when uh, things kind of opened up for Baylor. Uh, their uh, Kyle Nevin, he blasted a two-run shot. Uh, this added two, quote-unquote, insurance runs. But as Lupton Beers, the, as, the, as the tweet reads, I'm sorry, boys, you should have bought more coverage on that guy. The Frogs come to bat in the ninth inning. We're down three runs. Uh, but what do we keep saying about this team? You know, they just never give up. They're never out of it. Uh, they, right. they end up scoring, uh, you know, earlier in the game, they scored five runs on two outs. And, and that shouldn't have happened honestly. Uh, but they always seem to believe that there's a chance. Uh, so this is when Baylor's bullpen kind of goes wacko mode. Uh, the Frogs go, uh, they, they reach base on four consecutive walks, scoring Braden Taylor. At this point, it's a two-run game, eight to six. And Baylor's also changing their pitchers left and right. Uh, two batters later, Boyers is hit by a pitch that scores another run. And Mason Speaker comes up a couple batters later, comes up huge for the second time of the week. He singles, he scores Tommy Sacco, that ties the game, and then we go into the bottom of the ninth, and the Frogs are able to hold Baylor at bay in the bottom of the ninth. So we go to extra innings. 
which was kind of at that point kind of unbelievable because you know when you're down by three in the ninth, uh, to be honest, there's not a lot of hope. You know, you don't always think that hey, we could do this, but this frog team I feel like is built a little bit differently. We've seen it time and time again throughout the season. Uh, long story short, the frogs score three in the eleventh inning after they go through the tenth. Nobody does anything. Um, they win. Their sixth game in a row, they take the series in Waco. It was quite uh, an exciting game. You guys were there, so I want you to tell us about your experience in Waco that night. Yeah, um, Brett Walker was, you know, he's he did what he's been doing all season, which is throw strikes. Unfortunately, the Baylor bats finally uh, came alive. We were really wondering, is this Baylor team ever going to hit anything? Because their offense had kind of struggled all year. They have, you know, an All-American in the lineup and some other guys who are really talented who hadn't shown anything pretty much all season. But in this game, they uh, they touched up our guys, um, especially Brett Walker. Cohen Feaster was good, but not great. He, he gives up a couple runs, but then the bullpen really gave us a chance to win, um, starting with Garrett Wright getting out of a tough situation, uh, along with Augie. And then Marcelo and Luke um, each pitched, um, well, Marcelo pitched three and a third, and he was kind of the hero of the game on the pitching side. Um, Granted, he did give up that two-run home run, but going three and a third and only giving up two runs, that really gave our offense a chance to hang in there and get into that Baylor bullpen. And, you know, we talk about the Frogs can come back. You know, they have the heart, the moxie. What they also have is a big advantage in most bullpens, right? And Baylor's bullpen just absolutely fell apart. They couldn't throw strikes. They're throwing wild pitches, walking guys. We got hits when we needed them. We had a little luck on our side. But when you're putting pressure on teams, sometimes the luck falls your way. So it was a um, pretty much the opposite game from Friday night, but I like how this team can win in many different ways. And to get that win, that's huge. To go ahead and lock up the series on Saturday, and then you're going into Sunday thinking we can get a sweep, or at worst, we come away with what we intended to do, which is get the series win. Ray Martin, I'm in. Yeah, so uh, we've talked all season about the way these frogs come back, the cardiac frogs as we call them, that's their fifth win after trailing into the eighth inning this year, which is, um, it shows their mental uh, fortitude, but this is a mentally strong team that thinks they're never out of a game. Where on the other side, you saw a bunch of mental lapses out of the Baylor bullpen. It didn't matter who they brought in. It just seemed like they were running the same pitch in the dirt right back. Like they couldn't find the strike zone. And our patient frogs, they made they made them work. They're like, no, I'm not going to swing at this. You're going to have to throw me something here. Hey, let me let me um, let me just interject real quick and ask, like, okay, cardiac frogs. That's kind of like a um, a name that we give teams because you know come, comebacks or close games. But I mean, Martin and Ray, you were with me at that game, and then Reed and MK, you were watching on TV. Did you ever feel like? The, did you ever feel really nervous? Because it always felt like to me it was just a matter of time that we were going to um, come back. Even when Baylor got that home run to go up three, I said, okay, well, it's going to be a little more, a little harder now. Like at a one-run deficit, I said, we're definitely winning this game. At three runs, I said, okay, it's going to be harder, but still feel pretty good. Until we make that 27th out, I never think we're going to lose a game. So I don't feel that – I don't know if that cardiac label even really applies to this team from my perspective. Maybe we need to come up with a different, you know, name for it because even in the ninth inning, I'm like, I still was watching the game just as closely as I was in the second inning, you know, um, because I believed, you know, you, you, you watch right. this team enough that they, they actually don't give up at the very end. So uh, we've also seen a lot of close games. Uh, that was their, I want to say, fifth win this season uh, when they're tied or trailing in the eighth inning. So that's kind of nuts. But yeah, so. And I really want to stress, too, that, you know, like, yes, we should definitely talk about how um, the mentals, the, the never give up. But when you have Marcelo and Luke and River uh, pretty much closing the door on the offense and you're able to put those guys up against whoever the other team is running out of the bullpen, that I, I mean, I think they go hand in hand. Like if if you're on offense, you're thinking, OK, my pitchers are keeping us in this game. I believe we can get on base and score some runs and win this thing because this game's not going to get away from us with the arms that we have out there compared to who the other team's running out. So yeah. it was a dry oh. stadium on Friday night. Um, was it a dry stadium on Saturday, fellas? Martin? 
if on if on Friday we were the uh, the water drinking club on on Saturday we were the prohibition club. Yeah, we had a flask. <laughs> That's um, what he's leaving out there. Just one. Yeah, um, I didn't think we would run through it as quick as we did. I think by the fourth inning, that fl- Martin says the flask is empty. Flask. It was it was empty by the second inning. I was saying we should have brought three flasks in here. <laughs> it was a good time though. The energy was high. I uh, we. We had the bases loaded there in the eighth, and it looked like that might be the inning we would come back. And I know for myself, I expended pretty much all the energy I had in trying to will that comeback from the stands, doing anything I could do. But uh, it didn't happen there. And, you know, we just had to gut it out through the ninth, tenth, and eleventh. See, that was the fun thing. uh, That was the fun thing about where we were sitting. So we were sitting right behind the TCU dugout, and we were feeding off of their energy from the dugout, and they were kind of feeding off of ours. We kind of sync up hand claps and try to get the uh, bring the energy from the stands. As you could uh, see, you could definitely hear the woos, all the uh, maybe the box, 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 box from the crowd. Uh, it was a lot of fun, just uh, both energies feeding off each other simultaneously. Feeling good after two games in Waco. The Frogs have won both of the games so far. Uh, so we're, next, we'll, we'll be back to talk about the third game on Sunday after this quick break. You're listening to Post Game Beers Podcast, brought to you by Long Drink, which is a top-selling category of alcohol in Finland, a legend that is now available in America. The roots of Long Drink go back to the 1952 Summer Games in Helsinki, when the country of only 4 million people was still recovering from World War II, concerned how to serve drinks quickly enough To all the visitors, the government came up with a revolutionary idea of a new liquor drink that was both delicious and fast to serve. And so the first long drinks were born. Now this legend has finally been brought to America by the next generation of Finns who want the world to experience the refreshing and unique Finnish long drink. Welcome back to Post Game Beers. Uh, We're moving on to Game 3, the final on Sunday. This was a sleepy day at the plate for the Frogs. Um, and of course, Baylor scores first. They uh, were slapping singles left and right all over the field throughout the game. Cam Brown was our pitcher today. Uh, Austin Krobe did not make the trip, as we discussed before. So uh, we saw Cam Brown just for one inning on Tuesday, and he ended up starting the game. Took him a few innings to to settle down, uh, but he ends up getting to I want to say 90 pitches or so by the time he left. And at that point, Baylor had put uh, three or four runs on the board. Uh, in relief, Caleb Bolden uh, came in, then a series of guys after that. So, um, unfortunately, the Frogs did end up losing the last game of the series. Um, our offensive leader for the day, none other than Luke Boyers. He was two for four with a double. Everyone else, one hit, one hit, one hit. Just nobody was able to really step up. Um, a couple other uh, main points. We did have back-to-back homers by Braden Taylor and David Bishop later on in the game, but unfortunately it was just uh, just not enough to overcome the four-run deficit. So, guys, uh, from the last game today on Sunday with the loss, uh, we still come out on top two to one overall in the series, but w- what are the things that you guys see uh, over the series? So, real quick, um, and, and your point is totally correct about the offense today, but this was just a weird game to me because – we only had three fewer hits than we had the day before when we put up 11 runs. I don't know if you realize that. And I honestly didn't either until I started looking into the box scores. But it felt like TCU was kind of threatening in most of the innings. We just couldn't get that big two-out hit or uh, kind of put hits back-to-back. Is is you know, what, what the nerds call sequencing, when you perfectly spread out all of your offense over the entire course of the game, but you don't put anything – together in a way that results in runs and i think that's what we had today i don't know the i don't know the stats i bet we had a runner in almost every inning we just yeah it, it do sure felt like it, it. I, I don't have that number in front of me but with uh, bear with me here we had um seven hits five walks so 12 base runners but we also did have seven strikeouts and that's what tcu had been avoiding um on friday and saturday up to this point so you know, when you get guys on and you're not able to get them in, um, yeah, it's going to sound like a really basic point, but you're just not going to score enough runs to win. And But even then, you know, like we talked about going into the series, that we felt like 
once we got into Baylor's depth and pitching, we should really be able to take advantage of that. And it never really happened for us today. Their starter um, was named Will Rigney. Yeah. Never heard his name before. But he made a lot of great pitches that kept our hitters off balance, especially our power guys. He was throwing a lot of um, a lot of breaking pitches, looked like a slider that uh, Braden and Bishop especially just had no answer for. Uh, they accumulated a lot of those strikeouts early um, against the Baylor starter. We started to touch up their bullpen a little bit, but it, we just never could put anything – we never could extend a rally. So I mean, Braden Taylor was a perfect example. He went one for five with a homer, but four strikeouts. Right. And I was watching him and David Bishop and guys who normally, you know, don't swing at garbage, just over the top kind of going nuts. Yeah, Braden um, left four guys on base. So, I mean, those, those are those opportunities right there where, you know, if you're going to put some runs on the board and touch up their pitching, maybe get to their bullpen earlier. Um, just to, inter- to interject real fast, knowing, knowing kind of the way we win games, especially kind of the way we saw Friday and Saturday go, if that's the way we're going to win games, just putting teams through the meat grinder, making sure the game's never over, this is kind of going to be the way we lose games, I feel like. We never get that two-out hit or that hit with the guy on base, which – so I feel like if when we lose games in conference, it'll be kind of like this. We don't get that hit or that that hit with the guy on base or that hit with two outs like we would in our wins. Yeah, and, you know, it just sucks that it came on the Sunday, but – you know, going into the series, we thought, okay, Friday's going to be a struggle. If we can win that one, I'll be super thrilled. Then it's like, all right, how do we get the sweep, right? So to come away on the road where TCU, even in their best years, struggle on the road in conference, um, to get two out of three to start off conference play against a decent team, I'm pretty encouraged. It just, you know, t- if you just look at today in a nutshell, you know, it, it's it's a kick to the groin and it sucks, but we're going to move on. And later in the season, we're going to be like, it's. I'm glad we took two out of three at Baylor. Right. You know, you know, we're used to having great teams at TCU and in order to host a regional, which is a huge thing that we take for granted because it's happened so many times, you have to win basically every one of your home series. Well, not everyone, but most of your home series in conference. I would say this year that's imperative to win all of our home series. And you have to sneak one uh, away, you know, but you're almost not expected to win series uh, away because there's such a big home field advantage when you're, you know, the, the home team for three straight games. So, yeah, and sorry, go ahead, MK. No, just to fit, just to get that first Big 12 conference uh, win, let alone at Baylor, I, I just think was huge. Yeah, and I can't even really explain why it's an advantage or why, um, you know, they struggle on the road historically more than they do at home. But the numbers speak for themselves. You know, we talked about it last week how, you know, they'd had a losing record in Baylor um, – if, if you just look at the teams that went to Omaha from 14 to 17 and the teams that made uh, regionals, they struggle on the road. And it doesn't even really matter the opponent. We saw it last year when they went to K-State, right? They, I mean, it's it's a simple thing, but you're not sleeping in your own bed. You know, yeah. you're, at, you're at a hotel. Well, just it's it's an odd thing, right, to go on the road. And, no, for sure. Your routine is off. So Well, and on the flip side, you know, they've kind of held their own at home. And if not held their own, they've been dominant. And they're going to need to do that this year because they go on the road to Oklahoma State. They go on the road to um, who am I blanking on? Texas, Texas, right? And then you have Tech at home. But yeah, to I'm I'm encouraged. That's that's the main point here. Even though we didn't get the sweep today, it's like oh man, how come we didn't get the sweep? Well, you know, we didn't. Like it didn't work out for us today. So, so real quick, so um, we have natural grass at TCU. Um, we've had that as long as I remember. Been a fan for maybe 20 years or so. Uh, I guess. Is Baylor the only other natural surface in the Big 12? Martin, can you comment on that? Reed, what do you guys know about that? I believe that is the case, but Oklahoma State's new ballpark might also be um, Bermuda grass as well. So are we, I mean, are we at West Virginia this year or are they here? Do we know? I think we played uh, we at West Virginia last year. We, we haven't yeah, that's, that's home okay. series. How do you practice on um, on turf if you have natural grass at home? Like, What's the, what's the deal with that? I don't know. I'm I'm sure they're used to it. They've played so many baseball games. Yeah. And a lot of high school a lot of high school fields these days are turf. So I guess it's easier to maintain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's cheaper over the long run. It's a, a more expensive upfront cost, obviously, but then you know, with what um what they have to spend on maintenance for natural grass, you know, it evens out over time. I guess we'll talk about that once we get into other big 12 yeah, play sure. with uh, watching those teams play. So I'd be interested to see what our um, record is on turf fields. 
Let's go back to let's go back to Sunday's game. Um, Cam Brown was a starter, uh, kind of a rough beginning. He settled down, uh, didn't have you know eight innings like Riley did, you know, no no runs or anything. But let's talk about the fact that uh, we took Austin Krobe out of that starting lineup and gave Cam Brown a chance. Yeah, so for me, I'm looking. You know, it, it definitely started off rocky, and you you were really wondering, you know, can he get through three? Can he get through four? What's the score going to be? But when you look at his final stat line, five innings pitched, seven hits, four runs, one walk, five strikeouts. If I'm just looking at that line, that's a line that gives your chance or your team a chance to win on a Sunday, right? When you're expecting to score runs against the other team's starter, the other team's bullpen. I have really no problem getting that from my Sunday guy. What do y'all think? I, I was really impressed with Cam Brown after those the first two innings. I mean, he didn't really give up any hard hits. He didn't really walk anybody. Uh, the thing with Cam is just, you know, he kind of puts himself behind in in, in uh, hitters' counts. But, uh, I mean, this is the same guy that had that nasty stuff against Stephen F. Austin is just, you know, the, the level of competition is different. Right. And uh, I'm I'm actually more impressed with what he did today than that first, you know, Tuesday game or whatever. I, I honestly was afraid that they would pull him after two innings, but, you know, they needed him to go longer, and he did. And he, uh, you know, he put up a couple zeros. He, I think he gave up another run. But, I mean, they, they, they had a lot of tough luck today uh, as far as, um, you know, giving up some easy runs and as well as uh, they, they had a couple of chances to score and um, they, they just ran into some tough luck. There was one play where I think it was either Maxwell or um, what's the, the quarterback? Blackledge. Yeah, Blackledge. Blackledge. So um, he he pops it up to left field and the, the left fielder, Alex Gonzalez with an S, he traps it <laughs> and, um, you know, the Maxwell gets uh, thrown out at, at second. You know, we could have had runners on, on first and second, and, you know, it could have turned into some runs. And then also we had, after Luke Boyers hit his double, he gets the third base on a wild pitch or pass ball, and there's a freaking shot hit up right up the middle, and the, the pitcher freaking just throws his glove behind his back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a super lucky play. But, I mean, that, that run ended up scoring, but, you know, that's, that's a good at bat that ended up in an out. And so, you know... It's just tough luck. I feel like I've, you know, I've been sending this out in our text thread, you know, over the last couple of weeks. But the fact that I feel like we're the frogs are getting unlucky with some of their hits, and other teams are just, you know, spraying balls left and right. I'm like, how are these balls, you know, dropping in and or, or missing a, a bobble here and there and getting a guy on first base? So yeah, it just wasn't a great day today. But good to see Cam Brown. You know, we knew at the beginning that. We had four starting pitchers for a weekend with only three days to start. So it was good to see the fact that he came in. It Wait, wasn't. Um, can can you say that one more time? Yeah, sorry. I'm saying, sorry. We have three days, uh, you know, on a weekend series, right? And okay. we have Crow, we've got Cornelio, Brett Walker, and Cam Brown. And we right. didn't know what was going to pan out throughout the season. So the fact that, hey, Austin Crow, maybe he's out for a little bit because of uh, potential injury. We'll find out more about that, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, but that Cam Brown can step in and kind of be that third starter uh, without having a, dro- a huge drop-off. Yeah, like I said, I don't mind what Cam did today, right? I mean... Hey, quick question, guys. Yeah. Do we have any concern about the weekend rotation now being all righties, or is that just me overthinking it? What do y'all think? Mm, Martin, what do you think? I don't I don't really care. Uh, if, you, if you're throwing strikes, you have nasty stuff, you're getting guys out, I don't care if you're coming from the left or right side. I don't... And I don't have enough knowledge on other teams. Like we know with our team, we struggle against lefties. Yeah, for the that most might part. just be I don't know about other teams. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about worst case scenario where Krobe actually doesn't come back. What happens to, uh, let's say, a Tuesday starter uh, with Cam Brown moving to the weekend? I mean, it's a it's a luxury to be worried about your Tuesday starter. Most teams in the Big Twelve can't even figure out who their Sunday guy is. So I think we're in good shape. Yeah, and when you think about Cam Brown, I, I feel like when you're watching him pitch, it feels more frustrating than the actual results tend to be. Um, let me ask you guys this, and Martin and I talked about this before we potted, so I'll, I'll ask you and uh, I'll ask Reed and MK. Cam Brown's given up 23 hits this year, over 21 innings. How many of those have gone for extra base hits? 
What would be your guess? Um, out of twenty-three, six. Yeah, I'd go higher. I go, I go nine. Okay, so you're saying either nice. over a third or about a fourth of them. He's given up two doubles out of those twenty-three hits. Twenty-one wow. singles, two wow. doubles. Wow. Okay, that's surprising. So we know he fills up the count a lot. I'll I'll tell you this. He has twenty-five strikeouts. How many walks does he have compared to those twenty-five strikeouts? Twenty-one innings. I'd say five. Uh, so his, yeah, I Nicks. would do that too. Five to one walk. Yeah, strikeout to walk ratio. That sounds good. Five to one. So you're saying he's walked five guys in 21 innings? Yeah, five or six. Okay, so you're right on there. He's he's walked seven, and three of those. I only blue. say that because I feel like you were looking for an answer lower than what. Well, we were I just gonna I feel like if you're striking out 25 and walking seven, I I can live with that ratio. Yeah, yeah, right. That's so good. when you're yeah. watching a pitch and every count's three two and. There's, you know, he gets the first two guys out and then there's a single and then, you know, whatever. And then the guy ends up scoring with two outs. It's like, man, this is really frustrating to watch. I know um, against Louisville was that way. And then it was that way against Baylor. He only pitched one inning as Corpus Christi. But, you know, even against UTA, when he pitched six innings, he gave up five hits. He still had nine strikeouts and no walks through those six innings. So if that's what I'm getting out of my Sunday guy, I'm perfectly happy. As for Tuesday... I don't care all that much because I feel like our offense can cover up a lot of warts while we're trying to figure that out. So I'm going to jump ahead to Twitter questions, something that kind of applies to what we're talking about. So from Anthony uh, Daninger, Daninger, uh, AC Daninger, where do you think we need to improve the most? Seems like we're putting up a lot of runs, but giving up just as many at times. We've definitely been spoiled with great pitching in recent years. Where do we need to improve the most? Well, if he's looking for a simple answer, I'll say I would like to see more power. I haven't checked where we stand in like home run rankings, but I know going into last week, we like I said on the pod last week, we were 250th in the country in home runs. And it seems like every time I start to wonder where the hell is the power like today or even yesterday, then Braden and Bishop go back to back, <laughs> right? They did that twice this week. So it's like, okay, is it really that bad or is it just – it just comes in bunches, and then it leaves us for a while. Um, I'll look into that more, but that would be my simple answer. I'd want to see more power. But I think we just don't have that one guy that's going to hit 15 bombs this year. No, and we really never do, and that's okay, but I would just like to see more extra base hits, a few more home runs here and there, especially when if you're falling behind a lot and you're trying to climb back in the game. You know, a home run can do that pretty quickly. But let me make this point real quick. I think we're really good at everything, starting pitching, bullpen, hitting, whatever it is, coaching, all of it. I think it's all good. I just think we we fail at one or two of those at certain times while the other two are succeeding. It seems like we can never put all of those together. Does that does it feel that way to y'all? And we have put the, those together multiple games this year, but yeah, I, I agree. Where I mean, today... for most of the time, okay, so let me, let me rephrase. So when we're struggling, it just feels like, okay, we know the bullpen's good, but – the starting pitching was good today. We were hitting the ball, but dang, our bullpen was bad. So then we're like, oh, the bullpen's bad. What do we do about the bullpen? And then the bullpen goes on a run where their light's out, but now we're not hitting the ball. It, it, does it feel that way to y'all? So our potential is high because we have all the tools there, but sometimes they're just not all in the bag. Yeah, it just same, doesn't feel like we're day. putting them all together consistently. Even with Even within a game, I feel like, you have, say, first through third inning, this is firing on, on all cylinders, and three through six, this is firing, but the thing that was firing one to three wasn't. It just feels very Jekyll and Hyde, even within certain games. Yeah, right. I, I think right now the thing that's not <clears throat> really hitting on all cylinders is probably the starting pitching, but, I mean, we obviously have the talent to fix that. I mean, next week they could just all go, you know, six or seven innings. It's, it's just that. Once the once the starting pitching goes off the rails, it kind of just throws us off with the uh, bullpen, and you need a you need guys like Caleb Bolden and Marcelo Perez. Luckily for us, we have those guys. Right, we have guys like Luke Savage. We have guys like um, uh, who else pitched on Saturday? Feaster. Um, right. We have guys like that who can go multiple innings. Yeah, yeah and, even, and even Augie's done his job, right? After early season struggles, he's he he's has, been pretty yeah. good lately. I've actually been really impressed with Augie. We can talk about yeah. that another time. But uh, coming in, he seems to be much more consistent than he was last year. And keep an eye on Garrett Wright. He's starting to get more consistent work, and he's he's doing his job. 
All right, so we'll be back uh, after this quick break. We're going to talk about some Twitter questions and a preview to the next week of games uh, after this uh, short break. Postgame Beers, presented by Sarlos and Sons Family, Farm, and Vineyards, located in Santa Barbara County, California. Santa Barbara County was actually voted as the Wine Enthusiast 2021 Region of the Year. And not only is the family's vineyard located in the industry's number one region, but they are literally the poster child for that region. Wine Enthusiasts selected their vineyard to be the cover photo for the award. Head on over to sarlosandsons.com to shop the 2022 winter allocation and join the family today. Welcome back to Postgame Beers. Let's jump into a few Twitter questions. Our first one from Adam S. at staff. PPTMSG, does anyone else feel like a fish out of water being a TCU fan in Waco? Or do I just have the wrong mindset? Guys? I'm glad he asked this question because I feel like we breezed over, um, or I feel like we breezed over kind of our experience down there in Waco. So let's talk about the crowd down there. Um, Friday night, I felt like it was about 50-50 TCU Baylor. It looks Seriously? like it on, on TV. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what it sounds like because you guys are super loud, but it was, was it really 50-50? Man, that's just – it sure seemed like it because our like most of the TCU fans obviously were sitting behind the visitor dugout, and it looked like our side was pretty full of purple. And I don't – I mean, Baylor's not a big attendance team anyway. You know, they were talking about yesterday's game being the highest attended game they had since like – Texas in 2018 or something like that, where they had 3,000 people. We get 4,000 on a Tuesday at Lupton. So, I mean, am I answering his question correctly? Like, did we feel like we were kind of on an did island? You feel, down did there? you feel out of place? No, not really, because there, I mean, to my point, like, there's there were so many TCU fans down there, and you know, when you're winning, you just kind of feel like, well, this is my town now, right? So. <laughs> Saturday was um, Saturday was a little more Baylor because they were running promotions, and then once they were able to cash in on the like they handed out vouchers for freebies and stuff. Wasn't it uh, so, wasn't it Dog Day on Saturday? Yeah, it was. It yeah, you know, yeah. I was just about to say. Yeah, it was Dog Day, so it was a little more Baylor, and they were actually competitive in that game, so you could actually hear them. Um, you know, when Baylor was scoring runs and stuff, they were cheering, but still, I that, mean, TCU, TCU really represented well down there, and we got to meet a lot of those people, so that was cool. It was, yeah, it was a good experience. I didn't feel like a fish out of water. I felt like this is kind of, um, this is kind of our territory right now. Jamie at Jamie underscore TCU asks, what's the over under for number of heart attacks this TCU baseball squad will uh, cause during the season? So Jamie, we're already at five. We've had five heart attacks so far. Okay. Y'all can uh, speak for yourself. I don't, I don't feel, the, I just don't feel the cardiac stuff. I don't want to go back to this again, but I just, we've had cardiac experiences as TC baseball fans and this yeah. hasn't been one of them. Now let's say this, let, let me flip the tables. Let's say we're a team that jumps out to big leads, right? And then we get late in the game and then, oh my God, here comes the bullpen and oh, the team's coming back again. That's when I would start having heart attacks. But if we're down a few runs in the seventh inning, I'm like, okay, we have 27 outs. We're going to use them all. And I trust my team more than I trust theirs to close the game out. So I just don't feel that nervousness. Anybody else want to chime in on uh, their nervousness in the last couple innings of each game? I mean, we've seen, you know, TCU be a cardiac team in the past. We were there for for the NC State games and all those postseason games. You really, especially with a team like this whose makeup, their makeup is built to win ball games late and to just, you know, Jacob, when we were in Arizona, we even talked about how you have to have mental fortitude to beat this TCU team, which San Diego State didn't have it. Cal didn't have it until they did. And then Houston obviously got run rule. But we've seen it from the very beginning. We knew that's what this team was going to be. Yeah, I just feel like if we – and I, I swear to God, this will be the last time I make this point. But I, I feel like when we frame it that way and we don't talk about the talent in the bullpen, we're doing the bullpen a disservice. Yeah, if if we had a bullpen as bad as Baylor did on Saturday when uh you know they're freaking making three pitching changes because their batters can't not only could they not get an out, but they could not throw a strike. So if we yeah, if we had a bullpen like that, sure, yeah, I'd have a bunch of heart attacks, but we don't. So I'm good. As the elder statesman, um currently on medication for uh prevention of 
um, cardiac disease. Oh my God. I guess I, I guess I can rest have in a peace. More experience with that. Yeah. So anyway, I haven't had a heart attack yet. Uh, Are you 40 yet, MK? I, I'm 40 this year. Thanks for asking. Uh, later on this year, I've got a few more months until I'm there, but um, live it up, brother. Yeah, let's go. All right. Next question. with me in Dallas. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, Frog Dog at Frog Dog One asks: Was uh, was Waco a nice hydration break, or should the Baptists adapt to selling to selling other hydrating beverages? Yeah, I touched on this. I welcomed the break. I I needed it. This season's been pretty hard for my hydration and my liver, and yeah. So bank account and our bank accounts. I really yeah, and our bank accounts. So I didn't really mind. I didn't really mind the small break. Mike Miles season at GFMP asks, "What's uh, one, was that one of the more memorable games in the last few years?" And he's talking about Saturday night. And no disrespect to uh, at GMFP at Mike, but um, it was great. It was it was so exciting. Um, to be completely honest, in a in a couple series, I'm not sure if I'm going to remember that game as being one of the more memorable ones. It, it just is because it happened two nights ago. But we've had so many memorable games. That's, right. That one is not necessarily going to stick in my mind. I will, I will say yes, only because I was there, and I have a weird brain where I'm able to remember these games. Like when we talked about the College World Series game against Louisville, and you guys looked at me like, wait, we played Louisville? I just, I, I just my, the way my brain works, I just kind of remember these things. But some other games that, that come to mind, and I say games, that I can really only remember – one recently was the Saturday game against Texas where it was just – and this is last year when we played Texas at home. We dropped a tough Friday night game, but that Saturday game, we it was kind of the same battle except we came out on top. So that one was a really fun one. But I think that's a good question because I'm really having a hard time remembering any that were that kind of, you know, that intense and that exciting. That Yeah, that's a great question. I'll probably forget it by Tuesday. And Jacob, I want to uh, push back on you saying that none of us remember that Louisville game. I was actually there, and I okay, do. Well, I, just I very like, much remember that Louisville. We're we're in this group because we remember TCU baseball. I feel you, but I also feel like when I was bringing that up, you guys were just blinking at me, and then I was like, "What do y'all remember?" And then it went like silent or something. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, so speaking of Tuesday, you're going to forget the game. Uh, we've got a Tuesday matchup against. ACU, Abilene Christian, uh, that game is on Tuesday night. That's an away game, so that'll be played there. Um, ACU is 10-8 and eight overall, uh, including a series sweep versus Michigan State, which I don't know how much that actually means because Michigan State could suck pretty bad. Uh, they also beat SFA, but they have losses against Baylor and UTRGV. So, guys, anything from the Tuesday night matchup the, um, uh, this week? I'll defer to Martin on this one. I don't know crap about ACU. Uh, the biggest thing I'm I'm thinking about is who's gonna be starting on the mound. If it's Connor Oliver, you know, let's see if he if he puts it together. I think we're gonna see a lot of Cademan Parker. Uh, looks like ACU is pretty good with the bat. I think on the season they're eleven and seven. They hit three hundred as a team, and they got an OPS close to nine hundred, pretty much nine hundred. Uh, so they got some sticks. How does that Abilene wind blow? Is that is that like a thing? Um, no idea. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, I predict uh, it's going to be probably a boat race. I don't know, depending on. I think like 9-7. Oh, yeah, let's see how our pitchers do. If our, I mean, if our pitchers are good, then we'll probably like run rule them. But if not, if we keep them in the game, I mean, you know, I might. Might have to actually go nine innings. You and... think it could be one of those games like we saw against Texas and Corpus this past week, where it started off kind of shaky and then we ended up just, you know, the the TCU minus ten hit. I think yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, I don't know. They're they're going to be in Abilene. They might be pumped up because they swept Michigan State. Woohoo! At home, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Uh, you know they. They they probably are tired of losing to TCU. They're nineteen and one. TCU is nineteen and one against Abilene all time. So, jeez, okay, that's pretty bad. Uh, one thing to remember though is these Tuesday games are kind of weird. You know, we pointed that they out uh, last week where five. Uh, Jacob, you you br you brought this up 
Um, there were 18 top 25 teams playing on Tuesday night, and five of them lost their Tuesday games. Yeah, and these and weren't so, like like key matchups against equal teams. These were no names like Southeastern Louisiana beat Ole Miss, games like that. Yeah, no, And Ole Miss is number one in the country right now. So we expect to win. If we lose, it's also not the end of the world, um, you know, and, and you can move on and, and still have a successful weekend after that. So moving on uh, into the weekend, the Frogs are meeting up with their second Big 12 series against Kansas State. The Cats are 11-7 and seven overall. Um, in the first weekend, they played again in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown here at Globe Life. Um, unfortunately, they lost three consecutive games to Arizona, Michigan, and Auburn. Why is that unfortunate? <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, go Big 12. F them, dude. They, <laughs> they, they took our frigging um, outright regular season title away from us last year with that stupid comeback and that Sunday game against Halen Green. F them. That's, That's not unfortunate. This is bad for the RPI, dog. I don't care about the RPI. We will at the end of the season. Uh, well, they do have uh, series sweeps against, um, hold your breath, Central Connecticut and Moorhead, Sta- Moorhead State. Uh, so I know this. Uh, I feel like Central Connecticut's been a four seed the last like five years. Somewhere. Yeah, they win their conference. They make the tournament. We we hosted them in uh, 2017 in our region, oh, yeah. and they they uh they gave us a run for our money before Scal um took over the game. That's getting off track a little bit. One of the big things about Kansas State is they have uh, 20, possibly more, depending on the results of today. I didn't, I didn't really pay attention. Uh, home runs. So that's uh, basically six seven more than the frogs have so far so they definitely have some power uh, they're they, play in a, they play in a sandbox they do but the they're all, that's also their strength of their team yeah they hit for power so uh they've got a, a their weekend starters include blake adams he's an arkansas transfer connor mccullough and most likely a guy named christian rubeck who's an oklahoma transfer oklahoma transfer uh the entire team really though is is completely powered by the transfer portal so they've got a, kind of a series of six to seven guys that come in from the bullpen, and none of them pitched for Kansas State last year. So it's really a completely different team. Um, in the lineup, the only guy worth mentioning, uh, his name's Dom Johnson, transferred from Oklahoma State. He's hitting um, almost 500, so highly tied to recruit. Uh, had the MLB draft not been condensed, he probably would have been playing in the minor leagues this year. But um, outside of that, uh, what do you guys want to talk about with the Kansas State bullpen or maybe the lineup that might be worth watching for yeah, next week? So with K-State, um, they're, they're kind of the same team every year. They're going to they're be a little thin in pitching, and that's how you're going to beat them, but they're going to hit for power. Um, they do have Dylan Phillips in their lineup, which is kind of their – He's who's the guy for Baylor, Martin, that had been struggling all season? and Jared McKenzie. Jared, Jared McKenzie, thank you. He's, yeah, he's kind of their equivalent. Um, I don't have his current stats right now, but he finished last year with an ops of uh, 1.065 with 16 home runs. So I don't know if if he's broke out this year yet, but, you know, that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And you mentioned uh, Kristen Rubeck, the transfer from OU. Uh, this this guy's sitting mid-90s with his fastball, so he's a hard thrower. And with TC being susceptible to the strikeout, um, that could be a challenge for us. But as long as we can kind of limit the damage, um, with K-State's offense, then I would fully expect us to win the series. And I would almost be disappointed if we don't sweep. And just from a standpoint of if we're going to be top three or even compete to win the conference, then we're these are the series we have to sweep. You know, it, it sounds crazy to say against a Big 12 opponent, this is a must sweep. But you can still have a really good season if you're not sweeping these series. But if you want to compete with Texas, Oklahoma State, Tech, and you know, be ahead of those guys at the end of the year, host a regional, maybe even uh, get a top eight seed, then this is a series we have to sweep. I hear that. I just, I'm a little worried. You know, they're coming in um, winning eight in a row. So I don't want to take them too lightly and think, um, you know, that this is going to be No, I'm not going to take them lightly, but um, let me also add in and let me get back on the right tab. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here we go. I'd like to give a quick quick update of TCU basketball. The Frogs started on an 8-0 to zero run against Arizona. Uh, Frogs That's exciting. Are, I wish I was watching. Frogs and, are currently um, up 12-6, to six, um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and stay tuned to the end of this podcast, and we'll let you know what the halftime score is when you're <laughs> listening to this. On t- I'm kidding, MK. Okay, so this is what I was trying to pull up. So 
on the road, and you know we lost the series last year, which really, really hurt us going into the postseason. We're seven and eight against them on the road. We're sixteen and three against them at home. So when you're like, oh, let's let's tap the brakes. No, let, let's not tap the brakes. Let's get a sweep. Like I want, I want to sweep this weekend. Yeah, MK, we want to sweep this weekend. Jacob yeah, wants to sweep. Right. You hear that, MK? I'm going to buy a brew. Jacob wants to sweep. All right, sweep. thank you. All right, so <sighs> real quick, this is only our second series in the Big Twelve. We've got. Let's see what six more, because um, it's not an. We don't have ten teams. We have nine, but anyway. right, we have we have eight teams. Iowa State doesn't have a baseball team. Yeah, so seven more. Um, if we want to host a regional, good question, Reed. Uh, what do we have? What do we have to do in the Big Twelve to actually do that? Do we have to be top three, top four? Um, could is is our conference strong enough that we could be a top four or five team and still host a regional? Yeah, it's tough to answer right now because it's early and it's very dependent on what other teams do. But I know the SEC right now isn't as quite as strong as um, they were supposed to be. Uh, like a lot of people were picking LSU to go to Omaha, which which means they would have them in their top eight. And right now they're going to have to turn things around, even make a regional with the way they're playing. So it's really dependent on that. But I would say from a TCU perspective, you cannot lose a series at home and you're going to need to get some sweeps because that road schedule is tough. When you're going to Texas and Oklahoma state, you got to stockpile wins um, at home. And that's why I think it was so important to get that series win in Baylor too. cross off one of those road series off our calendar. Anything else from, uh, from Kansas state that you want to mention before we, uh, we sign off here. Yeah. I mean, uh, like Jacob was saying, this is pretty much the same Kansas state team uh, that we see every year, but, you know, last year they had Jordan Wicks, who was a first-round pick. They don't have a Jordan Wicks this year, but they're still that same that same team that's carried by their bats. As a team, they're hitting 308, and they got an OPS around 900 as well. Um, do you guys remember Cole Johnson? Don't ring a bell. Yes, I, I do. do. Not. Yeah, so apparently he was a JUCO signee by TCU in 2020. Uh, he went to Weatherford College. He did not appear in a game for TCU during the shortened 2020 season. So I, I remember him from last season. He was like coming off the bench for Kansas State. But this year, it looks like he's a starter. He's hitting 329, and he has a 928 OPS, which is like one, two, three, like third or fourth on the team. So they, they've got some bets. Um, Orlando Salinas, he's another guy. Didn't he start as a Horned Frog and end up transferring after that? Do you want me to look it up? Nope. We're going to move on. Um, I think he started at TCU. Find out on next week's episode of Post Game News. Transferred to Oklahoma State, then ended up transferring to K-State. So I don't know how long he was on the roster, but, um, I yeah, anyway. All right, guys. Uh, great to see you all tonight. Glad you're home safe from um, down south of here. A reminder, next week on Friday night, uh, Long Drink is hosting a pregame party at Dutch. Is it Dutch's? Dutch's, Dutch's rooftop. rooftop. Yep, Dutch's before rooftop. the game. I'm sorry if before, I confused anybody. Before the game, from four to five forty-five, uh, we'd love to have you all there. Get some free drinks uh, before the matchup against K State. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Go frogs. Go frogs. That poor man was dead, and I said this prayer. I said, Lord, don't let me die.